Scrum is the training wheels of uh, agile methodology. So if the product owner sucks, like your whole team will like suck. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Innovation Engineer Podcast, your favorite place for picking brains of your favorite engineers. So grab your nerdiest muck, fill it with your beverage of choice and enjoy. My name is Tarek. And my name is Vashi. And today we ask ourselves if self-organizing teams are killing your business. Tarek, if I remember correctly, this topic was suggested by you and because you had, I would not say a fight, but a, a harder discussion with your wife actually about the topic. Am I right? Yeah, kind of. Uh, it's, it's not only one discussion. Um, it's one of our very, very regular topics that we are discussing um, because self-organizing teams and agile methodology is something that we have basically every every day in our life as a developer. And um, it's not always a positive thing, or at least this is what I uh, perceive uh, in, in working this way. And this is um, a very, very strong, a very difficult topic with very strong opinions on all sides. And if you're talking with uh, an agile coach, for example, or with other developers, you hear very, very different things and opinions about what what goes wrong and what goes right. And, and that's why I think it's a very, very important discussion um, how we think self-organizing teams should work and how we actually work in self-organizing teams. Is this something that uh, where you have an opinion uh, as well? I have a hard opinion on anything. But <laughs> first, you mentioned agile coaches. So for me, what differentiates the, the good ones from the bad ones is that the good ones are not dogmatic. So I work with so many agile coaches or scrum masters, so they were called back in the days when the title shifted like some years ago. And some are like, yeah, Vashi, but you need to realize that stable teams is the most important thing and there's no other way than... Like, no, that's not true. It depends on what you're working on, on your work extended company. Say, ah, but Washi, you need to realize that hierarchy is better. And no, it depends on like the state your company is, um, like how much you have grown, what the cultural, like, um, I would say coinage of your employees is from their past jobs and so on, which state you're in. So there is no right and true answer. So personally, I like self-organizing teams. I always strive for them, but I know that they can bring a lot of harm to your company if you just blindly introduce them. So, and, but, but, uh, Yep, yeah, what's actually, what's actually your point? So uh, I didn't like uh, really understand what's the point of your wife. Is she pro or against? And what's your like point? <laughs> yeah, the, the interesting thing is when we discuss about this topic, um, we are not discussing against each other. We actually have a very, very similar opinion. The problem is that it is a very, very unpopular opinion and that we kind of fight against the world uh, with this one. And uh, the problem yeah. is... The, the problem is um, we are not against self-organizing teams. We are just observing every single day how this culture um, is, is lived in a very wrong and counterproductive way. Um, so uh, we both, my wife and I both believe that self-organizing teams brings a lot of potential for high performance and a very well-working and, and uh, well-organized teams. If the people who are working this way know what they are doing and they are capable of actually performing this way. But this does not come uh, from, from nothing. Yeah, you have to understand 
how this works and you have to uh, generate some kind of trust and system within your team so that you can actually work this way. You can't simply take an arbitrary number of people, throw them in a room and say, now do something, yeah? be self-organized and then expect that wonders are happening. Yeah? This, this is not how it works. And this is kind of what we do. I, I work, I think like 14 years now in, in agile teams. And in, I, I believe in every single case, this is what happened. Yeah, the, the, the company hires some people, throw them in a room, say, here's a scrum master, do something agile. Yeah? And uh, <laughs> this, this yeah. is what we expect to, to happen. Yeah. So I have a good question for you, but first I need to tell a story because that exactly that what you just described happened to me, like in exactly the way you described it. So first of all, um, the thing you said, I would uh, like my favorite CTO, I worked with him like multiple times, greetings out, Henning Gross. Um, he said that's uh, esoteric wrong value dogmatism. So uh, that's what like a lot of companies, especially in Germany and Europe, do when they introduce uh, Agile. It's kind of esoteric and quite dogmatic. That's like how a lot of like Agile coaches and consultants work. And that's a big issue. Like you said, you need to understand the values and this cultural change takes just time. So about the story... Uh, in 2013, um, Axel Springer, the Fox News of Germany, who I like to call them, for whom I worked, decided that they need to in-house software development. So they didn't have engineers in-house. Even like their uh, biggest news websites were built with uh, external freelancers and so on or external companies. But they realized that if they want to like uh, win the game, and like the news game in the long run, they need to build stuff on their own. But they also realized their culture was I would not say toxic, but um, the wrong culture to host engineers, because even back in 2013, engineers were a special breed of people. So, and they said, okay, um, um, like under our IT organization, which did maintain even like the printing presses, but also like the networking and so on, we are creating a new entity. And we call this entity uh, Axel Springer Ideas Engineering. And obviously the, the shit right now is agile and self-organization back in 2013. So they said, okay, let's, let's hire some management and then bring in people. So within like one year, they hired 80 people. It was easier back then, uh, but they also like did just threw money out of the window. So somebody can ask for any... Um, Like salary, the shots, yeah, yeah, we are hiring you. Uh, so they hired 80 people. And then they said, okay, now you are our um, agile and self-organized company. Please uh, have a lot of fun. The issue is that um, if you bring 80 people who are only used to work in classic ways, who have a, a cultural background from working in companies where they learned how things are done, Even if you hire some agile coaches with like two years of experience, there were no coaches with more experience back then. It was really an experiment of, of so much failing. So I can't like list all the things we did wrong and which went wrong. And I'm still, if I think about it, it still hurts a lot of, of things and a lot of potential we actually wasted in, back in, in years where we could have built so many cool things, but were wasted because we tried to do ourselves. We did try to autodidactically learn how self-organization is done. And there is a, a great book by um, a, a German consultant, actually, which is called Self-Organization Needs Leadership. So that's the title of the book. It's a great book. It's uh, actually um, more like a, a book for, like I would say, a college or so on, with a lot of theory, uh, theory about system theory, psychology, and some stories about uh, what could go wrong. And he described stuff when he was like a social worker and was responsible for kids and tried 
to get themselves organized. And he described the story. And I was like, see, yes, it's exactly what we try to do with like our engineers and how we did it back in the day. And this is like the beginning of the book. But he just asked the questions, what went wrong? But he's not explaining it. He's, he's doing this at the end of the book. Really great. And then at the end, you sometimes or like step by step, you learn uh, what actually are your wrong assumptions about like working self-organized. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I can totally um, agree with this. Um, and I also um, lived in teams where we managed to work in a very productive way, self-organized. Um, but this was always a process of kind of evolution. The team went through phases and we learned um, what are the downsides of a strong hierarchy of uh, authority authoritarian uh, managers and uh, we actually had this wish for more autonomy and uh, more self-organization and so we evolved in this way that we uh, uh, that we got trust that we generated trust with the management and we asked for uh, some some more autonomy and then step by step we we evolved into this state where we were performing enough that the management said okay we trust you to do um, the, the right things without um, strict oversight. Yeah, but we, we still had a, an agreement uh, regarding goals, regarding a roadmap, uh, stuff where we said, okay, we take over responsibility for this and that. And uh, for that, you trust us that, that we reach these goals. And this way we managed to get a, a high performance team without strict management. And this was for, for us the right roadmap to become self-organized. But this was something that we had to grow into and that we had to learn. And all characters within this team were mature enough um, to understand that this was some kind of shared leadership. And the shared leadership required um, consents and it, it required um, the maturity to step back, um, put your ego aside and concentrate on the things that we, uh, that, that we wanted to achieve um, together. Yeah, And I... I know a lot of developers who do not like this kind of way of work and they ask for, tell me what to do. Yeah, I, I need someone who's my supervisor. I don't know what the supervisor is. I should tell you what to do. I don't know. I don't know the company goals, right? Um, and this, this, is, this becomes very toxic in a way because people then just sense this vacuum of power and simply start doing whatever they want. And this, this is not what self-organizing is meant to be. It's, it's not anarchy. Yeah, so you just gave me so many trigger words that I <laughs> totally need to talk about. So like nearly each second word of you like triggered uh, a thing I want to talk about. Um, but first let's describe what is actually, uh, what's a self uh, what is a self-organizing team for you actually? Mm -hmm. So I will start if you like. So for Please. me, it's a team um, who gets a goal from the company Because that's like a wrong assumption that self-organization means you can choose what you work on. That's not true. And the, the ne uh, next second wrong assumption is uh, self-organizing teams don't have hierarchy. So first of all, they can have normal hierarchy. And secondly, there is always hierarchy. It's called lateral leadership. So there's always like kind of a, a natural hierarchy in there. And um, self-organizing just means that uh, you decide how you work. Not like on, on what, but you decide like... Uh, Uh, you pick how you want to 
reach your goal. So for example, um, a self-organizing team just gets um, the task. For example, we need more customers or uh, we need more stability or we want to, uh, we need an app, whatever. But like how they reach this more abstract goal, this kind of a little bit of strategy, that's within the, the team to decide for the whole team um, how they want to reach it. For example, do they want to, um, for example, for more customers, create a new marketing campaign or create like a new brand or whatever. That's up to the team to decide how they reach the goal. They are the experts. They know how to do stuff and also like the small details. Uh, but it's not within their task to um, like just pick topics and say, oh, no, nah, we don't want to do this. So obviously they are there and paid to work on, on, on for the benefit of the company. And uh, what's the benefit of the company is uh, overall alignment because that what differentiates like high performing companies and companies with a lot of potential, which is alignment. So you can think of it as like vectors and each team goes in a slightly different direction. Yes, they all go east, but like with a different like um, angle and if you combine all these vectors obviously you're wasting potential and the higher the different teams are aligned the the nearer or the faster you can reach your goal that's for yeah. me like a self-organizing team yeah and I, i i totally agree there was not one single point in there where i say okay this this is wrong yeah um but this is a very very difficult thing to teach because either um, you grow up in this scrum world where you say, okay, um, you are the experts, but maybe they are not the experts, but you are supposed to be the experts because now you are a scrum team. And as a scrum team, you have to fulfill everything. And uh, if you do not know what to commit to, no worries, I commit to uh, you to anything, right? Um, and, and so it is, uh, it, it's a very, very difficult thing to achieve automatically. For example, all, all the things that you uh, just um, described can be... Um, seen as can be misused also as kind of micromanagement you go into the team and you say okay now this is your alignment those are your goals and you can put the, the goals down to like an everyday level yeah? and you say okay your goal for today is write this and that and then you write this and that and you write this and that and now i, I made you self-organized because uh, i gave you like individual goals but this is on the other hand, simply micromanagement. So um, what, what you describe is, is the theory, how it is supposed to be. And this can only work if the management and the executing team all understands where this journey is going. And um, basically, if you read a book on agile development, you find all of these theories in there. yeah, And, and they can break it down into a scrum process. Or they can break it down into a, a Kanban process. And under the hood, it's, it's all there because you have this bottom-up approach of the team deciding on exactly the details of how to achieve this goal that was given through whatever management framework. But this is something that needs to be understood on all levels. And only then you can actually work productively on, on, on this thing. Uh, and, and this is, in reality, not how people are working. And uh, what I'm observing in reality is that, that the people, that the team might say, yeah, okay, but you say we are the, the experts and so we decide we do it completely in a different way. Yeah? And, and th this, this might be um, then contrary to the company goals, but then there's this conflict where you say uh, leadership is a very, very important part, where they say, we do not accept your leadership because you told us that we are the experts. Yeah? So you can't tell us anything. And, yeah. and this, this is maybe the, the most important misconception in this whole uh, construct. 
Yeah, truth to be told, I hate Scrum. So this is like a thing you are not allowed to say uh, out loud. So Scrum is not agile. It's made for managers. You can start with it, but it totally sucks. It's the opposite of agile. And I have seen so many bad things happen through Scrum, like uh, Scrum masters thinking, oh, I need to protect my in uh, protect my engineers so stakeholders aren't allowed to talk to my engineers. Like, what the fuck? Agile is about communication and talking to them. Obviously, they should not be disturbed because engineers need like focus time. But like, You're doing totally dogmatism. This is like what I what I meant in the beginning with this uh, um, uh, kind of, of dogmatism they have. Uh, yeah. And what, what you also described, uh, there are so many traps you can, if you try to do self-organization, there are so many traps you can run into. For example, this technical debt um, trap. So your engineers, um, they only were used to think about technical solutions. So they normally think 100% about what's technically best without thinking about business and often also without being pragmatic. So um, think of like they would have a golden doorknob if they can choose, obviously, and 105% test coverage because why not? If it's good, we need 105%. So um, what I have seen happen with a lot of teams uh, who are not mature enough or who miss leadership, uh, and with mature, I mean um, that you need to realize that you're not paid to code, you're paid to create business value. That's one of the the basic things in domain-driven design, realizing that actually writing code is a bad thing. So anything you can, like an expert deletes code and tries to not write any code because code needs to be maintained, create costs, create complexity. So try to keep it as simple as possible and uh, always think about like business goals. If you can just use like a gyro ticketing system instead of building an app, just don't build an app because engineers tend to love building things. So obviously, if they start working in self-organized environments, say, oh, I can decide. Yeah, obviously what we built back there, that six months after I built it, obviously it's shit because that's how it always is with software. Like you did grow, you realize that you did mis make mistakes. Still, it's working. There's actually no need to rework it or to completely replace it because now you're a fan of Go, for example, the language. And now you want to rewrite every service you ever did in Go because why not? But in the end, there is no business value in, in doing so. But I have seen a lot of, of engineers saying, but we are autonomous. Obviously, we are doing something in business. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're autonomous. Please go ahead. So I've seen like teams wasting a year on doing things, which I say that's, that's not good. And yeah. let's talk about, uh, about another trap where you said alignment. And I think the biggest um, trap here is like OKRs, objective and key results, to introducing them to um, like create alignment. So you like wasted a lot of time you will not say you fucked up a little bit but you introduced self-organization methods and teams and now you realize okay productivity is going down we need more alignment um okay us to the rescue so that's like standard behavior i've seen in every actually in nearly every company i've worked in the, or seen in the past three four years so but but did you just say uh, okr is a bad thing or okr is a good thing so I, I personally, I love OKRs. Um, I love self-organizing teams. It's just that um, if you do it poorly, you often um, do more harm than it creates yeah. benefits. So yeah. I have seen a company doing OKRs on a personal level. And I was like, I fought so hard against it. I said, okay, do you want to kill like the productivity of all your engineers? <laughs> Then please introduce OKRs on a personal level and create a key result set for each engineer individually. So without like monetary benefits, still, uh, it's like those are meant to be teams. If you want self-organizing teams and uh, measuring team outcome and want to perform, want the team to perform, please don't do individual like key results. It's insane. Yeah. What I really love about OKRs is that it's this, 
a nice tool to force people to clearly communicate what they are actually trying to achieve. And if a manager or a team is not capable of formulating a clear objective, then obviously something is wrong. Then, then it's not possible to actually create some alignment because the ability to clearly define what you are working towards is the foundation of creating some kind of alignment. And if you have a company with 100 people and you, you are not able to formulate what you're actually working towards, then this is the core of your problem. Um, totally. Yeah. Uh, I, I, as I said, I love um, OKRs mm -hmm. and uh, I love also like working with them because it gives me autonomy to decide what I do myself. The problem is that like every second company I worked with, um, their management objective was like double revenue. Yeah. That, that's, that's not a joke. It's, it's like a high level um, objective that, okay, what are we supposed to do with it? Obviously, that's the goal of the company. That's why we have a company. Even like in, uh, in the German law books you have, there's written, what is a company? It's like an organization with the goal of making money. Obviously, we want to double revenue. This is not like any, anything. And on the opposite side, I have seen engineers who create their own objectives and say, ah, reduce technical debt. They're like, dudes. That's no business value in like just reducing technical debt for whatever reason. Yeah. And the third thing I've observed is um, like still managers are used to micromanagement. So they introduce even maybe a good um, objective and good Q results. And then they just pop up a lot of like stories and epics um, for the team to work on, which have nothing in common with the um, OKR sets. So, and, and then I go to the, the product owners, the product managers and say, people, you need to write down like the business value of what you're working on. So for example, in which key results is this paying into? Because then you can prioritize. And like nearly no company I've seen who work by OKRs, they think of like the key results as business value and write it down in user stories. And a lot of companies just work on things still because management said, we need to do this. They say, oh, hey, this, this is not paying into any key result or objective. You should not work on this. This is meant for you to be deciding on your own what you work yeah. on. Yeah. But this brings me back to one thing that you just said. Um, and you ran against Scrum. And I personally, um, I'm also not a big fan of Scrum. But I believe there is some value in the Scrum framework. And from, from my perspective, Scrum is the training wheels of uh, agile methodology. And people who have had never contact with working agile or working self-organized can use Scrum to actually understand what they are doing. And if you have a very well-educated and wise product owner, it can be a really, really powerful framework to actually teach things like business value and user stories. Because in, in this very strict framework, you have the product owner who gives the roadmap of, of the product backlog. And this is exactly where the, the developers get this alignment where they are working towards and have these iterations where they reflect on what they created and what benefits they get out of this. Yeah? forget things like story points and all, all this crap around it, but thinking in backlogs, thinking in iterations, reflecting on business value, um, there the product owner is the most important part in this construct because he is teaching exactly how to measure the value of what you created and g giving like the the tone of throwing away things where you see, okay, we, we built this in the last month, but we now see that it does not fulfill our, our needs and our value. And so we throw it away and he can do this by simply reprioritizing the backlog. And even though the, the developers might scream, but in this case, the process tells them 
you have to accept this because the product leadership comes from this other role. And there you learn self-organization in the executing role, but the product backlog is, is led by the product owner. Yeah? And, and that's why I, even though I hate the specifics and, and the restrictions of Scrum, I believe that it is a, a great framework for teaching developers these these kind of product oriented values yes it's perfect learning um playground you're totally right that's one of the reasons why you should introduce scrum to learn it but you also said the biggest issue i also have with scrum which is the product owner because it he has too many responsibilities he needs to think in too many ways and needs to in a single person have too many skills and that's also like in, in a scrum team you have one leadership position and that's product owner so if the product owner sucks like your whole team will like suck. That, that's sure. just it. So there's a great book about um, like two or written by two um, army generals who talk about um, US SEALs and like how training them and they have a team lead. And there was uh, like one experimental like uh, they did where they had the, the worst for like a training exercise, the worst team uh, and the best team. And they just change uh, the leaders. And uh, the outcome after six weeks, I will not ask you, I will just tell you, is that the, the worst <laughs> team became the best and uh, the other way around. And the same is true with like scrum teams. You can have like a bad engineer. This will like, it's not that important because you have multiple ones. But if the product owner is like inexperienced or is just not good, and I've seen many inexperienced or not good product owners for various reasons, then the whole team cannot perform. That's like the one bottleneck. So and that's that's a big problem I have because I've seen so many bad product owners who don't know anything, um, uh, especially like engineers uh, who didn't want to do the hard task of uh, engineering and uh, software programming anymore. They say, uh, I want to do some management. Uh, nowadays, there is no management. Oh, I need to become a product owner. Way less stress and so on. And those are the worst, actually, uh, product owners I have seen. You know, and uh, there is also... Um, a German company, which is uh, Idealo, the price comparison website, and they have a nice concept of a double leadership. So each team have uh, has like um, an, kind of an engineering manager and a product manager. They call it head of product and head of engineering. And they two together fill out the product owner role together. And I love this concept because if you have two people, um, you like reduce the chance that one of them sucks by 50%. And that's, in my opinion, why those Idealo teams are so successful because uh, they just double the chance that you get a good product owner. And most of the time um, you have hyper-performing teams when both are really good, head of engineering and head of product, uh, product. But most likely one of them is good and the other is bad. And then they, the teams still work quite good scrum teams because you still have one good leader in the team and uh, google management uh, which is not very popular in, in germany but i've seen it a lot in u.s companies or like in, in, in switzerland um, uh, they follow a different approach they don't have product owners they have product managers outside of the team responsible for a different um, product area and they have really hierarchy and team lead. So the team lead uh, takes 50% of the, let's call it project management um, task of a product owner. Uh, and But the, the, the rest, the um, priorities and the rest comes from the product manager. This is also like splitting up again the work on two people and like um, is navigating around this problem Scrum has, which is a single point of failure, which is the product owner. Yeah. But, but there might actually be one um, advantage of having one single point of failure. Um, you can clearly identify this single point and try to fix it. Um, and I, I don't want to be like the, the bad guy and say you should uh, regularly fire people who are uh, underperformers. 
Um, but it's, it's way harder to fix this issue if you have this cloud of people who are all kind of responsible but not really responsible and you can't fire the whole team because this would, would kill your company. And yes. so having clear accountability and responsibilities helps you to quickly fail faster and, and fix the issues. If you have this, I totally agree. But there are, again, two issues with this. First of all, in the self-organization and self-organizing teams, um, like the team is responsibility, no finger pointing. And the same is true with agile, obviously. Um, and what comes with like uh, introducing agile and uh, self-organizing teams is this kind of friendship mentality, which is wrong. Because, um, again, a great book is the book Radical Candor, uh, where they say, if you are just friendly and care on a personal level, um, then you are just a bad leader and you're not strict enough and this is bad for business. If you are just um, like radical honest, like, like pure honesty, then you're just an asshole and you need both. And the problem um, is, again, if you need to identify bad people, then you need strong leadership above. Uh, but again, with this, uh, we each uh, like each other, we are hanging around uh, together, we are playing uh, ping pong, table tennis, um, um, table kicker, whatever, this is kind of, a, okay, he's kind of my friend, I cannot be strict. So this is an issue which also arises with self-organizing teams. This is this, we are all friends issue. It's kind of a trap because then upper management will not make hard decisions. So I've seen this in multiple places where everybody knew this was a bad product owner. He even like did lie about his vacation days. He did not perform. He had no clue actually about what he was doing. So the team knew it. He com They complained. The manager knew it. But still, it was like, yeah, we are all friends. So nothing happened. And this is driving away your, like, your best performers because they don't want to work in this kind of environment. And this is a thing I've observed in many companies, this uh, we are all friends trap. Yeah, I, I believe it's all a question or a problem of culture because um, we are discussing now about roles and responsibilities and structures and processes. Um, but at the end of the day, I believe the company must, <laughs> must achieve, and this is of course now this magic box, um, this culture where everyone understands what, what they are working towards and what they are trying to achieve. And um, th this, this is the core. Um, and the problem is if you do not have this culture and the company is mis, mis, what's the word? misworking, does not work, um, and you hire more people and more experts, then they come into this broken system and this broken culture And probably on day two, they are part of the problem because this is what they are, what they are growing into. Um, if, on the other hand, you have this healthy culture and people are actually believing in the goals that they are working towards and they might understand and reflect for themselves, ah, something is wrong, we have to change the way that we are leading ourselves and we have to change the way that we are approaching problem A and problem B and throw away this thing and hire new this thing and whatever, then, then you can actually work towards this goal. But it's, it's all a question of culture. And uh, culture also means um, getting rid of parts that are not compatible with this culture. Yeah? And, and I, again, it, it's always... It, When I, when I talk about this philosophy, it always sounds like uh, you, you have to start fire the, the whole company or something like that. But um, separating yourself from certain people and influences is healthy, healthy for all participants. The people who do not fit into this culture 
it's better for them to find another culture where they are fitting into. Yeah, and, yes. and so, so I believe th this is something, and this is probably the hardest part in leadership to understand what this culture is you're trying to, to, uh, to grow and actually do the hard decisions and, and um, pushing the people into the right direction. Yeah, but that's the hardest part. I totally agree. Like this, this cutting in the right places. And yeah. there's, what again, um, are self-organizing teams killing your company? Uh, yes, in most cases. Um, and there is only like, because there are so many traps on the way. There's a Spotify trap, like just blindly following the Spotify model, which is very popular in, in Germany. I guess Spotify never followed is The OKR trap, the technical debt de uh, trap, the friendship trap. So many things which can just be very bad for your business if you just blindly follow it. And um, the only thing I've ever seen helping those companies is external help. So um, I would never, like if it would be my company, I would never hire a Scrum Master or Agile coach like as, an, as permanent because then they become again a part of the problem after like six months. So uh, the same is true with OKRs. If you have like, um, I don't know, like uh, someone who's experienced with OKRs and say, uh, just say, okay, yeah, you are now... Um, head of business, business manager, whatever, please introduce OKRs within our company. I would say this is a very bad idea. If you want to introduce anything, you need guidance from the outside, someone who's not part of your system. The same is true with Scrum Masters. Don't hire them as permanents. Um, change them um, uh, between every six and 12 months. There should no be a, sh should be no Scrum Master or HR coach who's working for the same company longer than a year because then he will not be I have a like, view from the outside. He, he will be part of the problem. He will not be able to differentiate between am I a friend or am I judging him right? So um, so try to get them as like consultants from the outside. The same when you introduce OKRs. So uh, you really need people um, telling you from a perspective which is not within your company what's wrong. Then only that this way you can really um, see what or where you need to cut things off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> nice philosophy. Um, an another uh, metaphor that I, I can think of, um, oh, it's, it's not specifically what you just said, uh, but it, it just popped into my mind. Um, Self-driving cars. Uh, Self-driving cars are a great idea. And if they do exactly what we think that they are supposed to do, um, they would solve so many problems. We wouldn't have... Uh, have any car accidents, there were no traffic jams, everything would just flow perfectly. Yeah? But for this to work, the self-driving car needs to know exactly what it is doing. It, knows, it has to know exactly the rules, there need to be protocols for the cars to, to uh, communicate uh, w within their network and uh, all of that. And it needs to work perfect and then you have the system. But what you can't do is just throw a bunch of robots onto the street and say, okay, just, just manage yourself. Yeah? And you will somehow people will reach their destination. This will end in, in catastrophe. But this is kind of what we do. We throw like 90% of our workforce uh, into the system and say, okay, uh, obviously agile and self-organizing is great. Yeah? So just do it yeah? Uh, yeah. With, without giving them the tools or the leadership or the structure, the, the, the roadmap of how they are actually supposed to work with each other so that they have the chance to actually grow into this culture of, of performing. Yeah, that's, that's like kind of a great analogy, um, actually, with self-driving cars. Especially there are also like non-self-driving cars out there, 
which are people who don't work self-organized and they create a lot of crushes, right? So it's not always only the team, but it's also like the outside factors. And you sure. need like streets which are like aligned so that the, the lines on the street are not missing and so on so that it can work out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But have you actually seen companies really like uh, dying or crashing because of self-organizing teams? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm... I don't have an example of a company that actually died because of that. I, I'm not sure that I have these insights of, of the, the root cause analysis of why company X or Y failed. Do, do we have something like this? Well, not completely failed. I know some stories where uh, companies said it became a, com a problem, like they started self-organized as a startup and grew and grew, and then it became a problem for them because they missed alignment and they missed structure and everything took way too long. So they uh, actually introduced hierarchy and reduced autonomy uh, for the various teams when they grew, let's say over 50 people. I have uh, like met um, two companies in, in specific which had this issue and got rid of it. Um, but I don't know any company which really like died. It's just like a lot of companies are wasting potential um, if they just blindly introduce it. So obviously um, you need to attract talent and um, talent is attracted to um, specific buzzwords. That's how it always is. Nobody wants with an old tech stack. Uh, nobody wants to work in a classic environment. Uh, even if in a classic environment you can perform way better, but it's, it's still like um, engineering talent is attracted to buzz. So, for example, um, like two years ago, with a company said, we are working by the Spotify model. Engineers, oh, yeah, that's so modern, that's so cool, and got attracted by it. So you still need to be kind of, of attractive. But also, I think uh, a lot of companies, if they just kept the way they worked with hierarchy and other things, would perform better um, and have more business success. But this is just a theory I can't prove, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, I really believe, yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. Um, and I, I, I still want to emphasize that I believe that self-organization has a lot to do with maturity and that teams are growing into this as a level of becoming better and higher performing. But this means that they need this, this foundation that they are yeah. building on top. And I, I believe things like strict leadership and clear structures are a great foundation to understand what you are actually working towards so that you have the ability to supersede this level and, um, and, and generate this, this ability to work self-organized. It's, it's like a very senior thing to do to be self-organized and take over this responsibility. Yeah, that brings me back to an, uh, our one of our last episodes where we talked about what makes a senior engineer. And right. Like yes. The, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, and this having an eye for like business goals and uh, contributing to them in a kind of pragmatic way, not like yeah, we need to refactor things. This is part of being a senior engineer. Right. Yeah. And another funny story, I said I switched to this very chaotic company and I actually switched 2014 when our um, agile and self-organized company was already a year old. And do you know the reason why I switched from my previous job? It was because they were agile and I wanted to work in an agile environment. Even it was very chaotic and I did perform um, way below what I performed in my company before because my company before was very strict very hierarchy without open um, uh, offices, which like created a great environment. So we had like um, two people per office, small rooms, which you could really use to concentrate with glass walls. And I 
we did build so many great things. So really high performing actually with our teams, still with a lot of hierarchy, no autonomy at all with um, like we are very strict management, but we performed really well. But still, I read a lot about in 2013, 14 about Scrum and Agile and self-organization. And I was like fed up with the classic ways that I wanted to work Agile. Uh, mm. I learned so much. It was great. I would not miss it. But uh, if you ask me, was I productive really like as, uh, as an engineer, very productive with a lot of outcome actually between 2014 and 16, I would say no, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, maybe maybe um, what I would be very interested in is uh, to hear more opinions about this thing. So uh, maybe everyone who's watching or, or listening to this podcast, <laughs> maybe uh, you can give us some hints or some comments about uh, how you perceive this question of self-organization and um, how um, you observe this in your company. Yeah. And, and the question I would be interested in all our like viewers or hearers uh, or listeners, um, whatever. Do you like Scrum? And what's, what's actually your point? So uh, why do you like it, actually? Yeah. And the other way around, if you do not like Scrum, then what's the alternative? What is the, your favorite way of working? Yeah. And as I said, it's, it's a completely open question. Yeah. There are no wrong answers. And I, I'm, I was in the past, I was always surprised when I worked with developers who actually told me They do not want to have a scrum master. They do not want to do estimation meetings. Just tell me what to do. Yeah, it's, it's, it was really simple. I, I need a senior developer. I need a team lead who tells me what to do. And then I'm happy. Yeah, they, and I met a lot of these people. Yeah, I, I didn't believe it because for a long, long time, I also grew into this culture where it was like agile is right. Everything else is wrong. Yeah. And so there was not allowed to be a different kind of mindset. It was not allowed to say agile is a bad thing. Yeah? Yeah. Um, But this is really an industry problem we have because what you just said, that was also what I learned. This is like what every scrum master told me and it took a long time uh, yeah. when I like learned more about product management, product ownership and how you actually uh, do strategic planning that uh, it's wrong. It, it's just not true. So agile is one method way, which you can use in a like say a specific product cycle or where you can take a lot from how you should in general work but this does not mean that scrum is always the right answer right yeah 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 so let us know what you think um i'm, I'm really curious and whatever you're writing down uh you know we will <laughs> we will accept this with uh, open eyes and open arms <laughs> yeah and next week or like on the same time next week uh, you can like uh Join us again when we talk about what's up with all these cookie banners. Because, you know, yeah. I hate those. So it's like this thing. You go to a website. You need to click away this. Uh, do you want push notifications? Click away the cookie banner. Click away some ads. And those cookie banners really annoy the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. And then you're finally through and you start scrolling. And then comes the next banner. Hey, don't you want to subscribe to our newsletter? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. That one I totally forgot. Oh, so annoying. <laughs> So, here yeah, again, have a nice week. Bye. Have a nice week and see you and hear you next time. Bye. Okay. <laughs> so, ich muss auf Stopp drücken.
Thanks so much for listening to the Innovation Engineer podcast. If you take any value from our content, please make sure to rate us wherever you're listening right now. All articles, products, and references we discussed in this episode will be linked in the show notes. Some of the links we provide are affiliate links that generate a small commission for us without costing you extra. Any support is highly appreciated and helps us keep this podcast alive. Visit theinnovationengineer.com to find more content about software engineering, innovation, and the hottest trends in tech today. Stay awesome.